Good morning. Will you please stand for the reading of God's word? Today we're in Mark chapter 4, verse 21 through 25. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is the word of the Lord. You to grab your Bible and open it up to Mark chapter 4. Um, if you're using the ESV journal, open that thing up, be ready to take notes and follow along. Um, my name is Derek, I'm one of the pastors here. If you are new here, I want to encourage you to grab this Connect card uh, and you can fill that out and do a few things with it. You can drop it in the box in the back, bring it to myself or Pastor Brandon, or you can do it digitally with this QR code. Uh, if you're not new here and there's some decisions that you uh, feel the Lord leading you to, to make, maybe it's uh, you need to be involved in a group or serve in some capacity or, or follow in baptism or interested in membership, um, to check those boxes. And then if there are any particular prayer concerns or needs that you personally have, we would love to join you in praying for those. And the backside of that card is the best way for us to do it. Um, and so you can do the same thing with that. You can drop it in the back, you can bring it to us, you can do it digitally, whatever works or is best for you. So as we, uh, we move into this, we're, we're walking through the Gospel of Mark to behold Jesus as our King. We get to this passage, which is a condensed version of uh, a few other places where Jesus describes himself as a light or, or lamp or, or us as a city and all those kinds of things. When I think about this ideal or this picture of, of light, it makes me think of two different moments that had two polarizing interactions for me when I think about light, particularly when the lights go out. As a kid, I could not sleep without the, uh, the, the closet cracked and the light on. Couldn't. I was terrified of it. Terrified to sleep, even though my brother and I shared a room. I wasn't alone in the room. I was terrified to sleep with the closet light not on and the door not cracked open. Why? Because in the darkness, I was afraid of what I could not see. I was afraid of what might be there that as I laid there in my bed, I could not see. This is incredibly common for children. They, they think their imaginations run crazy, awesome, and wild, and they, they think they see things that they don't see. And, and it's because when the lights go out, there are things we either perceive to be present or, or are actually present that are hidden from us because of that darkness. And so I was in the dark, in my room, with the lights out, terrified. At the same time, though, when we would have a storm come through as a kid and the lights would go off, it was awesome. Like, I loved when storms would come through as a kid and the power would go off. Uh, like, the lights would go off and the power would go off and, and the, nothing would work. And so what would we do? Uh, typically, this happens in, in, when I was a kid growing up, it would happen in, typically in the winter-ish months. Uh, and so we'd always start a fire in the fireplace. We whip out all the candles and flashlights. But it was an exciting moment. I think in some degree it was probably because it caused life to slow down. It, it caused things that the TV didn't work. Um, it caused things to, to slow down. But I, I was excited about moments in our life when the power went off. Now, some of you uh, may have experienced this for extended periods of time over this last winter. 
We did for about four hour extents, and it was cool to me. I was excited. I was like, cool, our power's off. It's coming back on in four hours. It'll be okay. But I can make coffee on the camp stove, and we can just chill and hang out, and the kids aren't asking for iPads and TVs. And like, this is good. This is great. This is good. Um, and it was fun because it was a sense of adventure. Why, though? Because we had some sense of light, the ability to bring light into the situation when it was dark. So we could bring out the flashlights, we could bring out the candles, we could start a fire in the fireplace, and it would help to illuminate the darkness and bring some sense of like adventure and, and excitement to it. Uh, two experiences in my life where the lights go out and I'm polarized in, in, in interaction. Lights go out when I'm a kid sleeping in my bed and I'm terrified. Lights go out when I'm a kid and it's a stormy day or whatnot, and I'm excited. I'm happy, I'm excited, because... There was a presence of light. And what brought me peace as I slept in my bed as a kid was the presence of light. To turn on that closet light and crack that door and to argue with my brother about it for years because he wanted it off. And I didn't and couldn't sleep with it off. Maybe your experience with light is somewhat similar, but what we're going to see this morning is this. That Jesus is light. He is the light that shines into the darkness. And it shines in a few particular ways. Jesus is the light that shines, and in so he makes God visible. That's the first one. He makes God visible. The second one is that Jesus is the light that shines into our own hearts. And Jesus is the light that shines through us. That Jesus is the light that shines into the darkness. He makes God visible. He shines into our hearts, and he shines through us. We're going to see this as Jesus unpacks this parable. Let's start reading in Mark 4, 21 through 25. We're going to read verses 21 and 22. And this is that Jesus makes God visible as light. And he said to them, is a lamp brought, into, uh, brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. That is, he begins telling this parable, all of these parables point to him as the king coming to establish the kingdom of God. And he begins and he says, is a lamp brought, and so you know the song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bushel. What? No, why, why, why bushel? Because the original Greek word here is bush but it means basket, um, like woven bush, not like plant. I never got that as a kid. I was like, it's kind of on fire, but like <laughs> hide it under a basket. Thank you, ESV. Um, or, or to put it underneath the bed. No, but it goes on a stand. It's this picture of a light in the middle of a dark room. And put yourself in first century time. There's no electricity. Your only source of light in darkness is an oil lamp. For I mean, you can think Aladdin if you want. Now, some of you just did when I said oil lamp. I, like to have a lamp that has uh, oil in it that would burn slowly and it would be put in the middle of a room to light up the entire room, providing light into the darkness in that entire room. A room probably made up of some form of fabrics and hard dirt. So cold dark, dusty rooms inside of houses where there's no light when the sun goes down, except for a light from a lamp. 
There's a few things that we don't see here in the translation that are really helpful for us to understand what Jesus is actually pointing out. He said, is, is a lamp, th- this word lamp here is a noun and it has the definite article on it. Hang on to me, I don't do this very often. The definite article is super important because a definite article is only something that's attributed with personhood. So it actually is the lamp that's a person, meaning that this lamp is not just like a random lamp, that it's a lamp that has an identity or a personhood. But not only that, it says in the English Standard Version, is a lamp, is the lamp brought. The, The word there could more accurately be translated, does the lamp come or arrive? It doesn't make sense for us to say, does a lamp come? No, lamps don't come except for in Beauty and the Beast, right? (laughs) Lumineer, yeah, he's the only living lamp picture we got, right? No, but, but Jesus is saying in the original language, this lamp has a personhood to it, and this lamp physically comes. All of this pointing to something. It's not pointing to a, a just random light or lamp. It's pointing to a specific light and lamp. It's pointing to a specific light that is Jesus. That this light that it's referring to as this lamp that comes into a dark place is a person. A person who is light. A person brought into the darkness who is Jesus. That this lamp is a picture or in the story, in this illustration of Jesus. That Jesus says this in John 8, 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who, he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 12, 46, Jesus says, I have come as light into the world. So that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. That this light, that this story, this illustration, this parable is referring to as a lamp has personhood and physically came in and of its own personhood and is Jesus. That in a world filled with darkness, where there is no light, God came in the person of Jesus as light into darkness. And what does light do? What does it do? I want to point out a little connection point here. Jesus is pointing forward to a day when this lamp, this light, would be put on a stand and shine. A picture, a prophecy, a looking forward parable telling about when Jesus, the light of the world, would be put publicly upon a stand, nailed to a cross, to push back the darkness by completing the work of his death, burial, and resurrection for us. What happens when they go to the tomb? It's a bright light. Like Jesus is this light, and as this light that will be put on a stand to shine out into the world, into the darkness, he says the light does two things. It's for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. 
pointing to what Jesus as the light does. He makes something that was once hidden now manifest or visible. The scripture is called Jesus the manifold wisdom of God. The visible seen wisdom of God. Colossians 1, 15-19 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created. In Him and on earth, or in heaven and on earth, invisible and visible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And it finishes that whole little moment and says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So what is it that this light is making manifest? What is it that Jesus, as this light, is making visible? God. That Jesus, as this lamp brought into the darkness, first makes visible what once was hidden. God physically manifests in flesh for the world to see. Jesus is the light that makes God visible to a dark world. That as the light of the world, as a lamp brought into darkness, He first, the, yes, if you've ever been in a dark cave, uh, I love going in caves. It's fun. When I was a kid, we, we had a friend who had some bluffs and he had some caves on his back property. We used to take trips when I was a youth pastor to the Interspace Caverns in Georgetown, north of Austin. Really cool caves, really fun. You ever go down there and they turn the lights off while you're in there? It's kind of terrifying. It's the kind of darkness where like, you're not sure if your eyes are open or not. Like, <laughs> like the kind of darkness where you're like, whoa well, my pupils are doing something I feel, but I have no idea what they're doing because I can't see my own eyes. But like, like, it feels weird. Why? Because there's no light coming into your eyes. What happens when somebody turns on one little light? Where do your eyes go? Well, look at the cave walls. No. Where do your eyes go? To the light. Because the first thing that light makes visible is the light. Before light shines on anything else, we see the light. And so what Jesus is saying here is that as the lamp, the first thing he makes visible is himself, the lamp, the light, the manifold picture, the actual manifestation of God in flesh. That Jesus as the light makes God visible. And he does this in front of actual people who have varying responses to God in flesh being made visible. You see, some people see God in Jesus and have, uh, have a response of rejection. They reject Jesus. We see this in the Pharisees, we see this in the scribes, the, the, the zealots, we see them, this in those people. They see Jesus, they see God in flesh, and they reject Him. We see some who kind of partially reject Jesus. They come along for the ride. They're there when Jesus is preaching and teaching. They even eat the miracle like bread and then fish that he fed everybody. And then he says some things that they don't get or kind of like freaked out by. And they're like, ah, never mind, I'm done. And they walk off and they go home. And then you have people who respond in faith. 
We looked at this last week. Jesus is just continuing to expand on this, this seed parable, how the seed's thrown out on the soils. I think most largely, rejection in our world today of Jesus, God, rejection of the visible manifestation of God in Jesus' personhood, is probably more of like a partial re- rejection, which is ultimately like a complete rejection. But it's, it's partial rejection because they, re- they want to accept, as a culture, as people, parts of who Jesus is. Whether we do that knowingly or unknowingly, most of the time I would say it's probably out of ignorance. Like, yeah, I like Jesus. He was cool. He was nice. He was kind. He was compassionate towards people. He healed people. He was very charitable. That he was just and he stood up for the vulnerable, for the weak, for those caught in sin. He was patient. He had a hospitality about him. But they reject Jesus as king. They want some of the characteristics that they see in the person of Jesus, or at least maybe know about him, but they reject him as king. They reject him as Lord over their lives. We want Jesus, but we don't want Jesus to tell us what to do. Unless we're already doing it or we're thinking about doing it, or would like to do it. So so in our culture, we see this seeing Jesus, yet rejecting Him, wanting uh, to adapt part of His morality and compass and part of their own understanding and and cultivate this like Jesusness in our world. Jesus came to make the fullness of God visible, not the partialness of God visible. And we live in a culture that largely rejects the divinity of Jesus. Not that he was, some people would even reject, would, would say, yeah, Jesus was God, but they reject his divine decrees about morality, about law, about what's right, about what's wrong, if they don't like it. And some respond in faith. They see Jesus. They see the light shining into the darkness of the world. They see God made manifest, and they believe. And they put their faith and trust in Him. They believe the message of the gospel. See, Jesus is the lamp. He's the light that came into the world to be lifted up and make God visible and manifest. Then ultimately in the cross, we see both the justice and the mercy and the compassion and the grace the invitation and the exclusivity of God. That Jesus willingly came to manifest God in His life and sacrifice Himself in death so that any would come might be saved. So I want to ask, like, have you...
seen God through the life person of Jesus, his death and resurrection, and responded in faith, The second thing Jesus does as the light is he shines into our hearts. Once light is turned on in a dark space, our eyes are drawn to that light. But after we realize looking at the light is not a great idea, (laughs) what do we do? We begin to notice the things that the light is now exposing around us, right? If you've been in a cave and you turn on the light, you start to notice like, oh, hey, there's a railing and a cliff, (laughs) Oh, hey, there's stalactites and stalagmites. Oh, hey, look, there's bats. (laughs) We start to notice stuff going on around. One of the things we most notice most most clearly is who was afraid, right? When the lights go off, you can't see other people, right? When the lights come on, you see that child clinging to their dad's leg. You see that person who's like, found something. They didn't even know what it was in the darkness, but they're holding on to it. Thankfully, it's a railing and not like a stranger. But like, <laughs> why? Because in the darkness, we, we, we act in fear, but when the light shines, it also not only reveals the stuff around us, but reveals what's in our hearts. It reveals the fear of darkness. It reveals the reactions to darkness. It exposes Light shines into darkness and exposes it. This is what Jesus says in verse 22. For nothing is hidden except to be manifest, God, nor is anything secret except to come to light. That the light, Jesus, shines into the world to expose secrets, to, to bring to light the darkness within our own hearts. Particularly, Sin. That Jesus, the light of the gospel, shines into our hearts and brings to light darkness and sin. The secret things within us. And here's here's a defensive mechanism that we oftentimes do. Um, When we feel exposed or to prevent ourselves from being exposed by the light of the gospel, we like to think about how the light exposes other people. Like, oh man, that person really needs to hear this. (laughs) Right? We think big picture culturally about how Jesus needs to shine into the darkness of the world, but we're like, stay out of my own heart. You see, the light of the gospel, once we put our faith and trust in Jesus, moves into us to shine first in your own heart. And that light shines in and exposes um, sin. It exposes sickness. It exposes brokenness. It exposes disordered desires. It exposes death. Uh, Like, it's not comfortable but it's a lot like early detected cancer. Like, like you want to find out you have cancer early, right? Is it good news? I don't feel great. 
It's the worst phone call you'll probably get. Worst diagnosis you'll probably get. But to find out you have cancer and it's small is great. Because you can do something about it before it begins to infest the entire rest of your body. I think about this in, in this light. My kids don't like to let me pull splinters. They don't. They're terrified. I was the same way. You were probably the same way. If you've got kids, you've experienced it. And you'll go back and forth. Let mommy do it. Let daddy do it. Mommy do it. Daddy do it. Mommy do it. Daddy do it. But why? Because it might hurt. It already hurts. <laughs> but it might hurt. In the same way the light of the gospel of Jesus, when it shines into our heart and it exposes darkness and sickness and death, it doesn't feel great. But what does feel great? To have cancer removed. To have the pain of that splinter go away. Because the light of the gospel has exposed sickness and calls it out in confession. Not only does the, like, the light of the gospel doesn't shine into our hearts to bring condemnation. Let me clarify. Like, Jesus' light, anybody ever had like a super flashlight, one of those like three million candle watt lights or something like that? Does it feel good to have that shine in your face? No. Are you supposed to shine in your face? No. <laughs> the kids get that? No. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, why? Because it's so incredibly bright. It's exposing. It's just like, boom! I am grateful that Jesus is kinder than that flashlight. <laughs> because Jesus, in His kindness, leads us to repentance by exposing weakness, sin, and death within us, not to condemn, not to put on a pedestal your sinfulness and wickedness, Think about the woman caught in adultery. What did all those other dudes do? They, they were exposing her for her condemnation. What did Jesus do? He didn't ignore the sin, but he dealt with it with kindness and forgiveness. And did she experience condemnation and judgment? No. In the midst of her dark sin exposed by the light of Jesus, she felt mercy and grace. So when we let the light of the gospel of Jesus shine into our hearts, it not only exposes deadly sickness and sin, but it exposes our hearts to the mercy and grace and forgiveness of Jesus. That when, when the sickness of our sin in our hearts is brought to light, the physician, the surgeon, Jesus, can come in His mercy and grace, remove it with no condemnation and judgment, but with mercy and grace. I think about this in my own life. When I was that 10-year-old kid at kids' camp, and uh, I'd gone to church since I was four, heard the gospel who knows how many times, understood what Jesus did and how if I believed in him and said a prayer, is what I thought, then I would, I would go to heaven and not go to hell. Did that because um, I didn't want to go to hell. But it wasn't until when I was 10 years old on the last night of that kid's camp that I only went to so I could catch crawdheads with my friends. 
sitting in the back row, I felt something that I'd never felt before in my life. It was the light of Jesus shining into my heart. Illuminating it, illuminating it and exposing it. That I felt sinful for the very first time. Because the light of the gospel, although I'd heard it week after week after week, exposed my own need for Jesus. Exposed my own sin. And it didn't expose to condemn, it exposed to welcome me into His light, into His mercy, into His grace, to receive forgiveness. And so I, in tears, in some shame because of all the people around me who thought I was a Christian, went down front, talked to some old man who helped me understand what the gospel was and put my faith and trust in Jesus. And experience not condemnation and judgment in that moment, but peace and joy and mercy and grace. Well-being exposed. Because the light of Jesus shines into our hearts to expose sin, but to lead us into mercy and grace. It does this in our salvation, and it ongoingly does this in our sanctification. It ongoingly does this. Like We as Christians should be people who welcome the exposing light of the gospel into the depths of our hearts, knowing it's going to be uncomfortable, but knowing that it leads to freedom and life and joy. Are there any particular areas of your life, Christian, where you have walled them off from the light of the gospel? Where when you feel conviction, as you read the scriptures, as you come to church on Sunday, as you sit in community, when you feel conviction about your sin and you're like, nope. Light started coming, close the door. Are there areas of your life when you respond like that? Where you've walled off particular parts of your heart from the light of the gospel. God in His kindness is like the loving Father who wants to pull the splinter out of your hand. Because He knows it'll be better. It might hurt, but it will be better. It's like the doctor who, who wants to find early detected cancer so that treatment is in less invasive, less intensive, and, and more successful. So if there are particular areas or parts of your heart where you have said, Jesus, you can shine in me, but not here, I want to encourage you today to just start taking those walls apart to courageously step into the light and let the Holy Spirit shine Jesus' goodness, grace, and kindness into your heart. Let Him in His kindness expose your sin so that you may experience more mercy and grace. Listen, Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. 
He doesn't shine into your heart to condemn you or judge you. But He shines into your heart so that you would experience more of His love, more of His mercy and grace. So we can either open the door ourselves and let that light shine in, or God as a loving, patient, kind Father will eventually shine the light of the gospel on your heart. And it'll be more uncomfortable. So like, like Hebrews says, do not harden your hearts towards the voice of God like they did in the day of rebellion. But when you hear the voice of the Lord shining into your heart, listen and welcome it. Don't resist and reject it out of fear. We're stunting our own growth, our own experience of the mercy and grace of Jesus when we do. The third thing that Jesus, as this lamp brought into the darkness does, is he shines through us. That Jesus came to make God manifest physically visible in the world. That Jesus, as the light, shines into our hearts. And Jesus, as the light, shines through us into the world. That if, if you've received the gospel, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, the good news of the kingdom, that Christ is God in flesh, light came to the world to save and to, to push back darkness, that same light of the gospel dwells within you. Paul talks about like a, a broken vessel. It's cracked, it's a little messed up, but the light shines through. Often through, most clearly, the biggest cracks. But along with that, we have a responsibility of a stewardship with that light. A responsibility that that light within us carries into the world which we live. Like a lamp brought into a dark world or a room or into a kingdom, we are like little lights of the gospel in the world around us. And this is what Jesus is getting at when he, he continues in this parable. And he says, uh, pay attention in verse 24. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Like this is pointing back to, most people think, most guys think either, it's either pointing back to the fruit of the plant, the seed, and the soil. Or it's also pointing to uh, uh, another place where Jesus tells the same language in Matthew 7, verses 2. And he says, For what you, with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. That in the same moment when Jesus is talking about him being the lamp that's brought into the darkness, we can also pull into that. Matthew 5, when Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God the Father who is in heaven. That this light that Jesus is manifests itself in us, shining out into the dark world in the measure to which we have received it. And that we've been entrusted with the seed of the gospel that should bear fruit in our lives. But also the means by which we do it. The way in which we pronounce judgment, we will be judged. The word measure here also can be translated judgment. Meaning, 
with the measure that you, with the judgment that you judge, you will be judged. So if the light of the gospel, Jesus, dwells within us to shine through us into the world, it ought to shine through mercy and grace. In the same way that it has shown into us, it ought to shine out. Jesus doesn't shine into your heart, bring light into you in the form of condemnation and judgment. He does it in the form of mercy and grace. And that same light should shine out. Anybody ever been to a uh, like one of those mirror rooms where everything's all like twisted and weird and like looks all weird and like you stand in front of a mirror and you look like super skinny or super fat or like the the walls are tilted this way like even one of those weird houses i think they got one at six flags I used to go to one at bransom in, in silver city when i was a kid uh, is a mansion something or another a grandfather's mansion or something like that everything's weird and distorted uh, i'm afraid sometimes for us we we get this this idea as Christians in our culture today, that the light of the gospel should shine through us, but it comes out distorted. That what is shown into our hearts is the mercy and grace of Jesus. But what most, well, what often shines out of our hearts is condemnation and judgment. That the light of Jesus has shown into us to reflect out, but it comes out a different color, a different brightness, a different shade. The same light that is shown into us should show through us, which is a, a, a light of mercy and grace. And this is where this, this, the, the judgment that you pronounce will be judged to you. That what should be uh, the light of your life, the light of us, what people see in us, in our world, should not be a people who are condemning and judgmental when our Savior didn't come to condemn and judge. It should be a, a hopeful light of grace and mercy. A light that shines out in reasonableness. It's kind of rare these days. A light that shines out in injustice. Not judgment, injustice. A light that shines out in compassion and hospitality. A light that shines out in kindness and love. Not a light that shines judgment and condemnation on our world. Uh, my heart hurts. Like, I get sad. When I hear, when you, if you, you, you ever had a conversation with a non-Christian, somebody who didn't believe in Jesus that was angry at Christians? This is most often why. Because the light that God's people have shown into the world is one of judgment and condemnation, not one of mercy and grace. And it ought not be so. Yes, the gospel exposes our need for Jesus. It does say, repent or you will be judged. Yes, Jesus does shine into the world a message of hope that if we don't listen, we will be condemned. But Jesus postures his heart towards people with mercy and grace. 
And we should too. That the light that shines out from us should be the same light we've received. A light of mercy and grace, not judgment and condemnation. The same seed sown in us of forgiveness should be fruitful in forgiveness towards others. The same seed of of self-sacrificing love of Jesus sown in us in the gospel should bear fruit in our lives towards others. The same seed of His compassion and patience towards our rebellion sown in our hearts should bear fruit in compassion towards others in rebellion in our lives. We are the light of the gospel in a dark world. We hold a responsibility to shine the gospel in our words and in our actions into a dark world. So are we carrying ourselves with the light of the gospel in this cultural moment in the same way we've received it? Are we on social media, in our work, the way we do it and the people we do it with? Towards your neighbors, physical neighbors, metaphorical neighbors, in your family, in your friendships? Is the light of Jesus shining through you in this world? Like the, and there's two components of this. Uh, like, yes, we need to shine the light of the gospel into one another. We live in vulnerable community at Trovi. We say that all the time. Courageous vulnerability. Our home groups are a space where we shine the light of the gospel into the dark parts of our own hearts. Where when we step into the light, we receive mercy and grace and compassion. We daily and weekly need that in our lives. If you're not in a home group and consistently there where your life is exposed before other Christians so the light of Jesus can shine into your heart, you need to be. Yes, that, but also, we ought to be moving in a dark world with the light of the gospel shining through us. The light doesn't repel from darkness. Understand that? Like, like you turn on a light, the light's not like, oh no, darkness. <laughs> no. The light courageously, boldly shines into darkness. And so should we. The light of the gospel sown in your heart to shine in the same way it shone into you, through you, into the world. So who in your life, who in your community, who in your work, who in your neighborhood, who in your family's kind of rhythms and patterns, do you run, past, run across or run alongside of who need Jesus? How? How are you shining the, the mercy and grace of Jesus, the gospel, into their lives? In your words and your actions. Jesus came as light to make God visible, to shine into darkness, 
in His death and resurrection. And He continues to do that as He exposes our own hearts and through us shines into other people's hearts. How are we stewarding that light? Are we letting Him shine brightly in us? Are we letting Him shine brightly through us? Let me pray. I'm going to encourage you as we respond today. Um, we have a, a response team. There's a couple of ladies who now um, are available. If you're a, a lady and you would feel more comfortable sitting down, talking with, praying with, um, getting counsel or guidance from, from another lady, I'm going to encourage you to, um, to, to come to the back. And there'll be uh, Pastor Brandon over here and one of our ladies and, and myself over here and one of our ladies there to sit with, counsel, pray with. Uh, pray with you if that makes you more comfortable. Um, but let's respond to Jesus, where He has, by His kindness and grace, exposed our hearts, where He in His kindness and grace um, has shown us more mercy and forgiveness today. Father, we thank You that You didn't leave us in darkness, but You shined, that You sent Jesus to be um, You physically there in mercy and grace. So God, would you help us to, to respond to the way that you've spoken today, the way that you've exposed our hearts? Would we respond by courageously making those things known, confessing those sins, bringing them to light in community? God, would you help us to, um, to be a people who walk in light, who don't let sin remain a secret, would you help us to be a people who, who walk uh, with the light of the gospel shining through us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's respond. You can stand and sing.